Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, known as the ADL, and its sixth national director. Since becoming CEO in July 2015, Mr. Greenblatt has modernized the organization while refocusing it on the dual mission it has had since its founding in 1913 to fight the defamation of the Jewish people and to secure justice and fair treatment for all. Jonathan, thanks for taking time to talk. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. So just to jump in, uh, where is anti-Semitism primarily coming from today? Well, I think anti-Semitism is sometimes known as the oldest hatred. What's interesting today is we're seeing it, if you will, bottled in new forms. So it comes from multiple sources. Number one, we certainly see a prevalence of anti-Semitism emanating from what I might call the extreme right. So we see this in the evidence of organized and intensifying right-wing sort of white supremacy, which manifests in terms of increased recruiting on college campuses, increased activity in the public sphere, increased engagement in the political environment. Uh, Right-wing anti-Semitism and white supremacy more generally has been responsible for the vast number of uh, extremist-related murders over the last 10 years. It's a prevalent and growing phenomenon. We also see anti-Semitism that comes from what I call the radical left, Sort of this may be a view that says, well, I don't hate the Jewish people. I just hate the Jewish state. But it conflates many of the same stereotypes and tropes. And so that tends to come from a fringe on the left that is also finding ways to increase their engagement on college campuses, to try to increase penetrate the political sphere and try to use a different kind of, although they're not responsible for nearly the kind of violent attacks on Jewish individual institutions, there is kind of a delegitimization that takes place that involves everyone. Um, those are two like ideological sources in terms of actual real real sources. It could be these kind of fringe organizations. It can be actual governments in terms of governments. We see like the Islamic Republic of Iran is still the largest state sponsor of anti-Semitism in the world. It can be from political parties in Europe in particular, the AFD, which is one of the largest political parties now in Germany is a rabid progenitor of some of the worst anti-Semitism in Europe. But there are other parties in places like France and Belgium and Austria and Hungary and Poland that also engage in this type of rhetoric. And then here in the U.S., I mean, if you look around, you see other activist groups which engage in some of the same tropes and issues. Now, in 2018, the ADL, which tracks anti-Semitic incidences, tabulated roughly 1,900 or so that happened all across the United States. The third highest total we've seen in 40 years of tabulating this data. What's notable is that about 13% of these incidents uh, were perpetrated by people with known ties to extremist right-wing groups, 13%. That is a very large number relative to what we normally see. But Shmuley, I think the thing that may be most important for you and your audience, that means the vast majority, 87 plus percent 
were people who were not known extremists, people not with known ties, ordinary men and women, boys and girls engaging in the kind of anti-Semitism which has no place in our society. Very helpful. Okay, so when each of us, whether we're in Jewish leadership or whether we're lay people, um, young or older, uh, witness acts of anti-Semitism that are small or large, what uh, should our response be? And what should our response in general be to combat it in partnership and following the ADL here? Well, look, thank you for asking the question. I mean, I think there are a few things that we think we suggest people think about and keep in mind so they're prepared when something happens. Number one, you have to speak up. So speak up. When you hear something, you have to say something. Whether it's at the water cooler at work or over, you know, drinks with friends or in the locker room on campus or kind of online in your news feed or on your Facebook page. It's critical that you make your voice heard and you interrupt intolerance when it happens. Everyone has the power to do that. Again, whether it's flagging a video or flagging something that someone says, and you could both interrupt it in the moment it happens, and you can report it to organizations like ADL. So that's number one. Um, number two, or other authorities as appropriate. If you see something that seems to constitute a hate crime, you should call the authorities, not just an organization like ADL. Number two, in addition to kind of speaking up, share facts. So we need to avoid the tendency that seems to predominate in this very polarized moment to get hysterical, to really reach for emotion. The fact of the matter is facts are critically important. And wherever you can, you can help mitigate a situation. You can have dial down the rhetoric when you replace misinformation with empirical information. So much of anti-Semitism is rooted in conspiracy theories and sort of fallacious claims. Again, facts matter. And we'd encourage people to share information, data, reports, you know, share links, essentially, like citations to real research and news. Um, shut down rumors, tropes and lies, again, and replace it with information that's valid. And I think the third thing is you have to show strength. So you speak out, you share facts, and then you show strength. We have to build coalitions with our allies. We have to, even when we're feeling besieged, we can't be in the defensive crouch. We've got to be on the offense, which means creating alliances, building coalitions, reaching out and enlisting others in the shared struggle against anti-Semitism, against bigotry, against all forms of hate. And to realize that if we can stay positive and stay connected, that's how we have the best shot at educating an impact and stopping hate when it happens. So I guess those three things, it's speaking out, it's sharing facts, and it's showing strength. Beautiful, beautiful. So uh, my last question then is, uh, to what extent does anti-Semitism stand alone today versus this form of hate being manifest in a, in a way that it's wrapped up with other forms of hate today? I think uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, if you will, but it's also that, that a powerful tide can drown everyone. So anti-Semitism needs to be understood on its own terms. It is unlike other forms of discrimination in how it has uniquely persisted throughout the ages, across cultures, across time, across politics. Jews are the only group that can be seen both as being all powerful and super weak. We can be communists and we can be capitalists, right? We, can, we, we, we fill the need for society to find the uh, scapegoat. 
And we played that, unfortunately, that role for thousands of years. And that is unique, and its persistence is profoundly pernicious. But in an environment, as we know, like we're living in today, anti-Semitism may start with the Jews, but it never ends with the Jews. It oftentimes will augur other kinds of bigotry, racism, uh, anti-Muslim bias, xenophobia, trans or homophobia, um, misogyny. So anti-Semitism often, if you will, is served with a side dish of other kinds of hate. And so this is critical. While we need, like I said, to show strength, to stand up, speak out, share facts, we also have to realize we are in a shared struggle with other people. And the only way we defeat this, the only way we win is not when we shut down. It's when we lean and lean back. It's when we open up and lean in. And so that means being positive, being proactive, and again, creating those links because we need it. We need it now more than ever. Jonathan Greenblatt is an incredibly important scholar, leader, and mensch, and uh, we are grateful to have you on the front lines every, every day. Proud to have you leading our community. Thank you very much okay. for your time. It's kind. I appreciate it. And it's a, it's a privilege to do the work and hopefully, hopefully the conversation helps.